If you will, stay in Jude this morning, and our text is found in verse 24. And our text reads this way. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Let us pray. O Lord, how great thou art. Praise thy name and I thank thee once again for all that thou hast done. O Lord, I pray that you would bring us captive to thee. That you would sit us at thy feet. Reveal to us the one thing needful for our souls. May you block out all other things in our minds and may you fix us in thy word and upon thee. Lord, feed us. For only thou can feed thy sheep. And I pray, Lord, for thy thou to do this and for you to glorify thy name. For truly, Lord, thou art worthy. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. As we read through the book of Jude, the chapter of Jude, whichever way you want to put it this morning, what we saw was an exhortation that began. An exhortation of Jude telling the the children of God to contend for the faith. To contend for the faith which was once delivered to the saints. There's been one faith throughout all the generations. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. And what had happened there at this time, uh, Jude was exhorting them because there was error that was brought in. The Bible calls it um, that was perverting grace. It is it was the love of the flesh. I believe he said he used the terminology and said uh, turning the grace of our Lord God into lasciviousness. Lasciviousness comes from man. It comes from self. It's wanting to exalt self and it's wanting to set up idols in your life and turning to the lust of the flesh and the lust in the world. So Jude exhorts the children of God to be careful, to contend for the faith, contend for that which the Lord has shown you. And going through this, he warns us of what has happened in the past. He warns how the Lord delivered all of them out of Egypt And then that whole generation perished in the wilderness, setting up idols, looking away from the God who delivered them. And that was a warning. And so it's easy for error to creep in to us. We're polluted by this world that we live in every day, whether it's the television, whether it's the people we come in contact with. It pollutes us. We're polluted by religion. We're polluted by people that we know that are religious And they'll tell us something about the Lord and Savior that doesn't quite jive with the Scriptures. And that's a problem. And that's what Jude was exhorting them to always stay um, in the Scriptures, in the one faith. And that's where it's found in this Word of God, by the revelation of the Spirit. These are the Christ words. It's all, all of Him. And when you come to those verses at the end of Jude, and he's telling us, um, Beloved... Build up yourselves on the most holy faith. That's an exhortation. It's it's telling the children of God, you have a faith. But He's not telling you that, that, he's, that you're left to yourself. That it's something of your power and it's something that you, you can do in and of yourself because He tells us in our text today, it's of Him who is able. 
That Him is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's of Him that who is willing. And that's His guarantee. And that is His, His sovereign will for His children. And we will, we do have a most holy faith. And that is what we are built up in. It's what the Apostle Paul said, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's the faith of Christ. It's not our faith. Our faith has let us down so many times. We've believed in many things and they've not come about or they've been detrimental to us. But the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ is always faithful to the one who gives it and the one that it, it's leading it to. That's what faith, it makes us apprehend Christ. Embrace Christ in His Word, in His revelation. That's what we need every day of our life. And that exhortation, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying, praying in the Holy Ghost. There's no other way to pray. He is the author of our prayers. He's the author, of, he's the author and finisher of our faith. That's the Lord Jesus Christ. It's His Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that, that brings us into communion with the Father through the Son, the one mediator of the Scriptures, the, of the one mediator between us and the Father. And so we're, we're given these weapons of faith and prayer. And then he says, keep yourselves in the love of God. Certainly he's not telling us to keep ourselves in the love of God like a literal statement because he just told us only he only he can keep only he's able to keep us. We all want to love God, I believe. A child of God wants to love the Lord with all his heart and all his soul and all his strength and all of his mind and all of his strength. But without him we can do nothing. He is our love. He is the first cause of all things. Love being one of them. And he says, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. There is a fixation point for the children of God. This is not our home. This land that we live in and this place that we're in today and our homes that we'll go back to is not our home. The children of God have an eternal place with their Lord and Savior and with all the saints in glory. And that's where the Lord fixes us as this world goes the way that it is. He fixes us upon the eternal Christ. The eternal one where all salvation is. So with that backdrop today, we now come to our text. Because some have called this a doxology or a benediction of how he ended his letter. And when he says this, I'm going to take this in two parts. And the first one is now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Unto him. That's where we're exhorted to look to. That's where the Holy Spirit takes us to. I've said this many times to my children. I've said it from the pulpit. I've said it many times because the Lord's proved it out to me. The Holy Spirit has one office. He takes the things of Christ. And He shows them to the people of God and reveals them to them. Jesus said, I will send the Comforter and He will take the things of Me and reveal them to you. The Holy Spirit does not lead us to carnal things. It does not. If there are things that we have need of, whether it be a car, a house, or a place, a job, or whatever it is, the Holy Spirit doesn't lead us to those things. He leads us to Christ. 
And Christ's will. And Christ's plan for our life. And Christ, I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus said. He leads us to the way that's in Christ. He leads us. That's, that's what the Holy Spirit does. And so, when Jude says, Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling... We are. That's why the Lord led me to that song we just sang. That portion, the hymn writer said, We're prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Have you ever felt that? That waywardness that resides in our old nature. The inability to trust Him. The inability to believe. You know, we talk about how great the Lord is to us and what He provided this week, but should we be surprised? You know why we are? Because of unbelief. We just we just are in awe of the Lord's love and the depth of it, even though these Scriptures tell us it's unfathomable. We can't get to the bottom of it. And then when He does what He does and he, he sets us free in His Word and He gives us the liberty to worship Him and He does all this and what we say, what miraculous time. And it's true in the way we look at things. It is miraculous. But it's been His plan and will all along. And the love that He has shown us is on display. And so, He's able to keep us from falling. Yes, we are prone to wander. Yes, we are prone and we do feel it. We feel that old nature tugging at us. We feel the wicked one coming in and, and, and introducing thoughts that are anti-Christ. That wants us to fear. That wants us to doubt. That wants us... Those are not of the Lord. That's not what He has for us. Well, who keeps us from that? That's what Jude said. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling... Able to keep us from falling into hell. That is where all mankind is going without the grace of God. And, and the Scriptures bear that out. We don't have to go far. We just have to go to Genesis. We just have to go to the very, very beginning of the garden where the Lord set a man and made man in His own image. And He made him upright. And He made him perfect. And He put him in a perfect place. And He says, all you can do in here, keep the garden. Just don't eat of that tree. And out of His side, He took a rib and He made him a helpmeet. And He made His wife. And then sin was introduced into the world. And why? Because in the plan of salvation, the Lord has always revealed that without Him we can do nothing. And Adam, when left to himself, even though he's upright, even though he's created holy, when given the choice, and yes, Adam was given a choice of his free will, he said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to choose the love of my wife. I'm going to choose to eat that tree, uh, the fruit, as Eve was beguiled. What does that show us? I hope it shows you the same thing it reveals to me. My free will will damn me. I'm dead in Adam. Adam died that day spiritually. And because of that, death is in the world today. 
All of creation is now marred with sin. That's how Adam fell. And everyone in Adam fell. And that's all of mankind. We even read here in verse 6 of Jude, he says, and the angels which kept not their first estate. There was a rebellion in heaven. Lucifer, Satan, led that rebellion. Those angels did not keep their first estate. They were cast out of heaven for rebellion against a sovereign God. That's what the Scriptures tell us. So when we have a passage like this, unto Him that is able to keep. It's not only able, He's willing. He's able and willing. We're willing in the day of the Lord's power. The Lord as always kept His people. I've got some scriptures to share with you that testify to that. And I've wrote them down so you can turn to them or you don't have to turn to them. You just listen to them. The first one is John 17, 12 in the high priestly prayer. Jesus said this. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. I kept them, Father. He's, he's praying to the Father. I kept them. He continues to keep. That's where we're, our keeping is. It's in our Savior. I've kept them in Thy name. Those that Thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost, but the son of perdition, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. You say, well, he did lose one. No, he didn't lose the son of perdition. He wasn't ordained to election. He wasn't ordained to, sovereign, to, to be saved, to salvation. He was ordained to damnation. He was ordained to, to betray the Son of God. That's what he said, the Son of Perdition. In John 10, where we read about our shepherd in 27 and 28, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. That's what he gives his sheep, eternal life. You and I, as we get polluted in this life and as we fall, only He can keep us from falling. But the falls that we have in this life, the prone to wonder, they're all designed to show our us that only He can keep us. That we are dependent upon Him every day for everything that we do. Life. He is life. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And if you want the truth, if you want to find the truth, it's only in Christ. He is the truth. I would never, and I hope you understand this always going forward, never listen to me and follow me. Search the Scriptures. If they, and I pray that they testify of, the, of what the Lord's put on my heart. That I, I, pre, I want to preach Him the sufficiency of Christ. Because that's what the Lord has revealed to me. There is no other life. There's no other way. And there's no other truth. And I give unto them eternal life. And they shall never perish. Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. We're kept. No man can touch us. You say, well, why not many saints have died in the past. Our souls were eternally kept. They're living today. <laughs> they're with, they're with the, the eternal Lord, rejoicing with the Lord today. 
waiting for the adoption of their body. That's what all the saints have. That's what we all have as this common salvation that Jude wrote about. There's one faith, one salvation. Then we have Hebrews 7.25 reads this way. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. There's no other way to the Father but through the Son. There's no other way to come but by him. Seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. That's our high priest, our priestly Christ, who makes intercession for his people on a daily basis. The prayers that we pray to the Father, he presents them to the Father. We'll get to that word in just a minute. He presents us. That's what he does in him, in his righteousness. This is how good our Lord and Savior is. In our text, look how Jude started his letter. In verse 1, Jude, the servant of Jesus Christ and brother of James, to them that are sanctified by God the Father and preserved in Jesus Christ and called. You know, I always feel the need to understand or to explain sanctification in simple terms. And I know that Wesley got it wrong You know, he did believe that it made us holy. He just believed it made us holier and holier and holier until we died, which isn't true. We're given the complete holiness that we are in Christ Jesus. It's his holiness. We have that now. Sanctification, though, is an ongoing growth in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. But we are as holy and as righteous in our new nature today that we will be in heaven that new nature, the Christ in us that lives and, and, and it dwells in us is 100% holy and just and righteous because it's Christ in us, the hope of glory. It's the new nature of the new man. And so we see as, as, as Jude brings this point, now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling. That first part tells us our preservation is in our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But then he says something absolutely remarkable. And to present you faultless. Faultless. We need to see law at that word. Faultless. You know what that means? Without guilt. If you're like me, you have a lot of struggle with indwelling sin. You have a lot of uh, 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 struggles with when you see what you've done against your Savior. What you've done against grace. And the Lord says, He's, he's going to present me faultless without any, guilt, without any guilt or shame. That's the way we are as we're presented as a bride to the Father. That's the way we are right now. That's how the Father sees us. He doesn't see sin. He sees the righteousness of His Son. Faultless. We live in a society and a world that is fixated on assigning fault. If you don't believe me, go to the headlines. That's, they're just captivated with who's at fault. It's this person's fault. It's this person's fault. 
We live in that society today. And we're inundated with it. We fall the same way. Well, well, whose fault was it? We're all sinners. It's our fault. But the Lord is going to, and it presents us faultless. I can't get to the depth of that word. I can't get to the depth of what that means. No guilt, no scars. He took the blame on Himself. He took our sin on Himself. He took the wrath of the Father against sin upon Himself. And the only scars in heaven are the scars on His hands and His feet. We won't have any. We don't have any. And the battles that we have down here, we have them. We have them. And they leave us weary. And they leave us sometimes defeated. But we're faultless. That's what, he, that's what our text tells us. He presents us faultless before the presence of His glory. The glory of the Almighty God can look upon people like you and I if we're in His Son because He sees His Son as totally righteous. He sees His Son's righteousness, His Son's love. That's what we have. We have the justification He's pronounced us not guilty in the court of God's court, of His justice. He satisfied the justice of God because don't ever think that God's justice can't be or won't be satisfied. It was. Sin must be punished. And it was punished in our substitute. It was punished in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb. Behold Him. He's the one who keeps us from falling. He's the one who has, who has preserved us and presents us faultless. And our text tells us He does it with exceeding joy. He's washed us in His blood. He's justified us by His righteousness. And He's preserved us perfect and complete in Him. We don't see those things. We don't see ourselves that way. It doesn't matter how we see it. We see it in Christ. We see it by faith. That's the way the Lord God sees us. Is this not good news? Is this not the Gospel? What Christ has set us free in? What Christ has done? We worry so much about what people think or how people view us. And it gets to us. How much do we worry about how God views us? Because He views us faultless in His Son. What a glorious Lord. Turn with me over to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 as we look at the Word of God to substantiate what's being said here. Faultless. The Gospel is for the guilty. It's the good news of the Gospel. He is not here. He is risen. He has taken the judgment. He's taken the penalty. He's taken the wrath. And what He's given us is justification. He's given us spotlessness in Him. Look at 1 Corinthians 6 and let's look at verse 9 through 11. Know you not? that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God. 
Do you know that? That the unrighteous shall not inherit the the kingdom of God. And when I read who he says is unrighteous, you're going to find that you and I are listed with these people. I hope you find that. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He convinces us of sin. Be not deceived. Neither fornicators, neither idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers. You know what a reviler is? Somebody who gives back what's given to them. You get wrath, you give wrath. Hmm. Nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. That's how holy our Lord is. That's how righteous He is. None of them will accept... Listen to this. And such were some of you. That's your standing in the flesh. That's your standing in Adam. That's your standing... But let me tell you what your standing is in Christ. Such were some of you. But if you've been adopted into the line of Christ, if you are saved eternally in Christ Jesus, yes, you're sinners, but you are clean. Listen to this. But you are washed. Washed in His blood. You are sanctified. You are made holy in His holiness. You are justified. You are pronounced not guilty and faultless in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. The Holy Spirit must reveal that to you. And I hope He does today. And I hope He reveals it to you and me every day of our life. Because He also reveals to us that we are sinners. And He always does that first. Why do we need salvation if we're not sinners? He reveals to us thou art the man and then reveals to us how that sin's been put away. Does that make us say to the Lord, well, I can live any way that I want? God forbid. It gives us a holy desire to walk in His way, to walk in His steps, as much as lies within us to do whatever we can but we know we can do nothing without Him. Whatever. But He's faithful. It's not potential. He's faithful. That's what these Scriptures tell us. He's faithful. Such were some of you. You are washed. You are sanctified. You're justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. You know what Titus 3.5 says? It says, uh, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. By the washing, ongoing, of regeneration and renewing, ongoing, of the Holy Ghost. That's what the Lord has done. That's what He is doing. Yes, we're eternally saved in Christ. Yes, He died on the cross for our sins and put them away. But we need to know that every day. He makes us dependent as sheep. On that shepherd. And that shepherd never lets the sheep down. I'm an under-shepherd in my, in my house. In my children. But I let them down. My wife, I'm not a, 
not the husband I should be. But He's faithful to her. And He's faithful to the children. He's faithful to all of His sheep. Titles in this world mean nothing. Sheep, that's what His people are. That's what He is their shepherd. Turn with me over to Ephesians 1. verse 4. We'll just start in 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. That's where our blessings are. They're in Christ. And it's a good thing because He's a wonderful Joseph to dispense all of the storehouses to His children. The mercy, the peace, the grace of love and all that we have need of is in Christ. The faithful giver. But look at verse 4. According as He has chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. That's what we are in, in Christ. That's what we've heard these verses. He's chosen us in Him before the foundation of the world. Before there was ever a you and I. Before there was ever a world. This is what He is to His children. As their birth in time. As the Lord gives us the new birth in time. And He reveals to us and puts His Spirit in us and says, You're alive and this is your Lord. This is what He's done for you from eternity. Not just today. And not just today and He leaves you to yourself and He says, Go out and live. I hope you live unto Me. I hope you choose Me. I hope you stay on the path. Keep yourselves. No. This sovereign... Grace, Lord, keeps His children every day. Do we backslide? Yes. Do we wander? Yes, we're prone to wander. But the faithful shepherd uses that crook in that staff and he brings that sheep back. Sometimes he's got to go out and get that sheep and break that leg because he wanders too much. And that chastening hand, you say, oh, that one smarts. It does. But what does it yield? Whom the Lord loves, He chastens. And it yields the peaceable fruits of His righteousness. That's the goodness of the shepherd. Turn over a few pages to Ephesians 5. Look at 25. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church. Oh my gosh, what a tall order that is. Well, thank God I don't have to do it in myself, because I would fail. I will love my, my, my wife if I have Christ's love. It is sacrificial. It does put her above me. And this love, listen to what, listen to how powerful this love is. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and He gave Himself for it. He laid down His life for it. That He, that's Christ, not the husband, but He, Christ, might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the Word. Dear ones, stay in the Word. 
Remember what Jude said, build yourself up in the most holy faith. Steph and I have gotten in an exercise of just using the verse of the day on our phones as we walk together in the morning sharing the Word of God with each other. What do you think, honey? What do you think? We tell each other about the Word. It's as simple as that. And it spawns great conversation. But that's the Word of God. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be in the actual Bible that you have. Absolutely. I pray the Lord gives you desire. The Lord's found in these words. He's found in these Search the Scriptures. They testify of me. Lo, I come in the volume of the book. It's written of me. This is where He speaks to His children. This is where He feeds us. Yes, He feeds us here this morning. I pray He is. He's feeding us and leading us beside those still waters of the Gospel. I pray that He is. That He might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the Word. That He might present it. That's our text today. That's what our text says, right? And and present you faultless before the presence of His glory. That He might present it to Himself. Sometimes we lose sight of our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The bride will be presented to the Father, but it's the bride of the Son. It's presented to Himself. We are His people. We are the Father's people. We are the Son's people. We are the Holy Ghost people. One true God. That He might present it to Himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle. That's faultless. Or any such thing. And we can think of those any such things. We can. We can put, do you mean this too, Lord? What about this sin that I did way back here? Yeah, it's gone. It's covered. What about when I was this year old and, and I didn't know the Lord? Doesn't matter. He knew you. It's been put away. That's our Lord. He saves to the uttermost. He cleanses to the uttermost. He presents us faultless. Or any such, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Even though we carry around the body, this body of sin, Paul called it, and we carry it around continually, and we have the guilt and the filth of sin that gets on us at times, yet He continues to wash us and presents us faultless. That's the way He sees us. We're cleansed in His blood. And the Father sees us as a cleansed bride in the righteousness, robed in the righteousness of His Son and in the love of His Son. Always being conformed to the image of the Son of God who is faultless. Romans 8.29 says that. It says, For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. He predestinated us to be conformed to the image of His Son. That's what sanctification is. We're being conformed to the image of the Son. You know, I pray for all of us. You know, One of the hardest things to do for me, I'm just going to speak for me, is to get up in the morning and look in the mirror. It's one of the hardest things for me to do. It's not because of how I look or in the it's just a reminder I am who I am. My shortcomings, my unbelief, my and I don't stay in that state. 
Because the Lord completely lifts me out and says, but I've washed you. I've cleansed you. You know what you are in me? And I say, Lord, I don't. Show me. I don't know. What am I in you? Show me. Because my mind will go to the negative. My mind will go back to the mire. Lord, stay my mind upon Thee. And He is sufficient and faithful to do so. Now let's go back to our text, if you will. Now unto Him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory. And look, it's with exceeding joy. Exceeding joy. I've experienced that joy this week. I've prayed, you even heard me say that, that I hope the Lord would temper me today. I have exceeding joy to be able to preach the gospel. And just a glimpse of what His joy is to present us faultless. It's His joy and privilege and He's earned it because of what He's done as a faithful servant unto the Lord in laying down His life and taking it back up again that you and I would have life. Look at verse 25. Look how Jude ends this. To the only wise God, our Savior. I am in awe of the wisdom of God in Christ Jesus in the way of salvation. Of the only way of salvation. I'm in awe because I've been in a lot of false religion and I've heard a lot of things and I've heard a lot of man's devices and I've heard a lot of things of how, and they're palatable to the ears. But it all comes back to man. This is what you do to save yourself. But what about His plan? The wisdom of God and His design of the fall of Adam and the life in the second Adam, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's where we're restored. That's where we have everything. It's in Christ and Christ alone. To the only wise God, our Savior, be glory all glory of His deity, all glory of His sonship, of His mediatorial work for us, of His salvation, all glory to Him and majesty as our King of kings and Lord of lords. Dominion. He has all rulership. It's all His. I, I think of that. I, he's impressed that upon me this week as He's provided this place. It was His from the beginning. You know? And, and He preserved it for us. And we never knew it. It's His dominion. He reigns over everything. And power. The power to keep. The power to lead. The power to... Reveal Himself. The power to reveal to us that He's the Maker and the Upholder of all things. To Him, both now and ever. I noticed that this morning when I read that. It struck me. It didn't say forever. Forever to me kind of has a beginning and an end. You know, it's forever now. We're gonna, 
Will you love me forever? You know, we use that term like it's from this moment on. But that's not what we hear here. He loved us from eternity. He loved us. He's always loved us with an everlasting love. Both now and ever. Amen. You know what amen means? It means, therefore it is. So it shall be. And I pray that so it is on our our tongues today and our hearts and our minds. Um, I'd like to close this morning.